I think we should take an evolutionary approach. I think this is a stage of evolution that you have to go through. I'm Rudy Dogum, and this is Wholesome Crypto. Here, I speak with crypto experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs to find out what personally led them to the path of cryptocurrency. Here, I speak with Wei Wu Zhang, the co-founder and CTO of Smart Token Labs, where he's building open source composable smart token bridges. Welcome, Wei Wu, to the Wholesome Crypto Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you, Rudy. Yeah, and um, we all know you from being the CTO uh, and co-founder of Smart Token Labs, which is a composable smart token bridge. Uh, you have projects under that, with, which is TokenScript and Alpha Wallet, all exciting things that we're, you know, the crypto community is excited to see grow and develop. But before we get into your projects and how you got there, I'm interested in what Weibo was doing before even hearing about Bitcoin, before even hearing about Ethereum or any blockchain. Thank you, Rui. Um, I, I try to fast forward a little bit because I guess the audience <laughs> want to hear about them, what we're doing most. Uh, so I started in uh, 2011, bought my first Bitcoin there, $5 each. Wow. Uh, yeah. Good times. Uh, the, the, re the reason I was able to catch up um, so early with the idea, actually it was a little bit late. I regret joining it two, two years after it already happened, um, uh, was, was because I was looking for something like Bitcoin. Um, and when, when it uh, happened, it kind of clicked. Um, the reason being, I think that um, uh, for free market to work, uh, there has to be competition between currencies. Mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, the state's monopoly over the currency in their own state is actually creating market friction. And I think everybody will get better off with competition in this area. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know how this could be done technically. But when I see, saw the paper, I, I was shocked that somebody was able to do that. And, uh, and it make, kind of makes sense. I, at first, I couldn't believe it. So I kept the paper in my pocket for a few days. And I took a train <laughs> from, from province to province. And that was, I was in China at that time. And used time to read, it, read the paper uh, next to a, a train window and think about it again and then read it again and think about it. It was really difficult. It took me quite a few days to get, to, to get through all of the... Uh, intricacy in the design. Wow. So um, when I when I started with the Bitcoin, I first invested in it and later forked it with the intention to learn how it works. And later uh, people come to me and say, hey, this guy forked Bitcoin. I said, yeah, it's actually pretty easy. I only have 25 <laughs> lines. But they say, we will, pay, we will pay you for a bit to change a little bit more lines because we want something and we want to get rich quickly. Yeah. And I said, well, if you want to get rich quickly, I can, I can fork the code. I don't know if you're going <laughs> to get rich quickly, but I can do that. So and I forked it for, for a dozen times, maybe by different um, customers with different requirements. And later there was a uh, 2014, 2015 uh, boom where uh, there are some ICO projects. Didn't go by that name, they, but um, there were a few. And I was a technical consultant for these projects. Eventually nice. moved to Australia and, uh, and joined the bank. Nice. Uh, Commonwealth Bank was the largest bank in Australia. And my goal of joining the bank is to understand uh, how to extend the technology. So blockchain was a backbone for, for Bitcoin. Bitcoin have a very specific agenda, uh, mm -hmm. which is to, uh, to solve the money, monetary debasement problem. So then when you, so it sounds like as soon as you heard about Bitcoin, as soon as you started reading the, the white paper, it made sense to you. You kind of didn't even, you didn't even think it was a joke. You thought it was like, oh, this is going to, change the world pretty quickly <laughs> um, no i think um <laughs> i think it's plausible someone can invent some, some something as powerful as bitcoin that is unlikely yeah um so so i took the paper and uh, 
and, and I read it for, with this attitude. <laughs> I mean, that's good because I mean, I've interviewed some people who just saw it, heard about it, read it, and they just, you know, like, oh, okay, this is just a weird internet coin that doesn't make any sense or isn't going to go anywhere. But I don't know, for, to me, it sounds like you had some type of firm understanding or appreciation of the technology early on. And I think um, Satoshi has a very good grasp of um, what challenges he has to solve mm -hmm. uh, in order to make money to, uh, internet money work. Previous attempts are both um, usually uh, first starting from a wish of internet currency and then seeing what uh, you can build with that. And based on what you can build, set the parameter. Like an, uh, this one requires centralized party, that one requires a blending party. Um, Satoshi took the different route and he looked at um, what actually required to make it work. And then he made sure he checked every box. And it wasn't easy because when the, when the system that whose requirement was not entirely clear, there's a strong urge for designers to fill in the unclear requirement with their own preference. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm, I'm surprised of the discipline uh, of the paper. Not only the, the, the genius design, but also the discipline. <laughs> it is amazing. And you're right. It's just, I mean, there's other crypto, well, cryptocurrencies or digital currencies that were trying to exist before Bitcoin. But Bitcoin was one that took off. Um, so now as you, yeah, you're uh, now learning about it, you're working in the uh, bank in Australia, blockchain uh, uh, consult. I uh, was working as a bank blockchain architect. Um, and um, the, uh, at that time, the bank was uh, very enthusiastic about the possibility mm -hmm. of using uh, blockchain as a financial backbone of the future. And, and all of the backbone of the future financial services. Uh, my view was actually larger. I think that the blockchain technology can enable a lot of things that previously based on trust, mm -hmm. such as trust was bank. Um, but I don't know how it's relevant. I mean, it feels like um, the technology uh, touches the point of uh, decentralization, mm -hmm. but um, the pathway is unclear, was unclear. Uh, so I joined the bank with the goal of uh, finding, it also, uh, finding it out myself as well. So bank was actually so enthusiastic that they invested in about $40 million into this, wow. uh, including buying IP and stakes and uh, hiring personnel and do experiments. And we got to talk to every business branch and um, uh, even talk to bank's customers to figure out when this black uh, blockchain relevant. That was a really good experience. And I was um, at them also uh, uh, bank uses a bank-based um, bank alliance blockchain called Corda. Uh, used to be the most important thing, but now not many people remember it. <laughs> I, I was working as architect, working group, global architect, and working group in in that um, project as well. Anyway, the the most important thing I, I learned from the experience in the bank is that uh, you have to tokenize something. So uh, the basic logic is uh, blockchain is not a drop in. Uh, replacement for any components that was already running in the bank. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, in order to uh, use it to trustlessly carry out any business process, it's usually facilitated through token exchange or token functions. So ultimately, how to program token is, is um, where blockchain technology is relevant. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah, and the previous uh, trust towards systems, like if you, if you inquire the bank that gives you the balance, this trust towards systems turned into trust towards, towards tokens. Whose security is guaranteed by smart contract? Yeah, and that's an uh, uh, that's an that gives me the insight that um, uh, if we keep building blockchain as it is today, without making token very rich and powerful, we probably will not get there. There meaning that using blockchain to be disintermediate, replace the uh, centers of internet such as Google, 
mm-hmm. and uh, achieve Web3. And we probably will not get there if we keep programming it, if we don't make token powerful, but just make blockchain more powerful. It's not going not to work. Interesting. And I also see that um, for a token to work, um, you need to add functionalities. You need to make them interact with other tokens, composable, mm-hmm. and you need to make them security, securely run in your mobile wallet. And you cannot delegate this task to the website uh, to access blockchain on your behalf, to run token logic on your behalf. So that's the basic idea of doing a smart token labs. Uh, smart token refers to a token more powerful and, and requires this additional um, technology and has the potential to replace Google and center points. And so smart token labs is, um, again, it's almost like a bridge between all tokens. That's what one of its ideas is. But is it more into like any blockchain and it's becoming a bridge between it or is it a whole other uh, chain on its own, another layer one on its own that's developing an easy resource for other chains to bridge onto? <laughs> so uh, your question is basically, uh, uh, token uh, is viewed as in our in our uh, yeah. philosophy is viewed as a bridge um, to connect um, uh, Web three, the de- decentralized web, and 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 then why why would not a blockchain a more advanced blockchain do this right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a uh, there is a basic and um, th- this is this is not something the blockchain achieved by mm-hmm. itself. Um, so. Uh, I used to say the example of building two nodes from building bridge from two sides. You need to you need to you need to have blockchain as a base, mm-hmm. and uh, and you need to extend to use cases. Um, a lo- uh, what is uh, if if we look at what is needed today, uh, what is needed is a layer of business logic on the internet that can function to support each website's use case. So, for example, if you have a travel website, then uh, you will typically evolve business logic such as logging. Uh, user account mm-hmm. and uh, use your travel credits and uh, uh, find your current location and uh, uh, book hotel, all these kind of things. But hotel would require connection to a hotel system. So uh, to solve use case, you are actually connecting to a lot of different systems. And that's why uh, companies like Google and Facebook and these, these, these companies are strong. Uh, these companies controls the, 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 the backbone, the, the mm-hmm. connection. Yeah. Now, uh, in our view, that um, uh, this logic should be carried out by tokens, enabled by, by, by the blockchain. And it's, in this case, it's very important that um, token logic is um, token logic runs in the in a secure environment in the user's wallet, not inside website. So let's say if you have travel credit, um, let, let me change example halfway. Let's say you have a um, car token, because that one has more trust involved. You cannot lose your car. You can probably lose your travel credit. Yeah. So let's say that the website enables use case that allows you to rent your car to to a to a third party. Mm. Let's yeah. say Hertz is a company who, which runs the use case, and you can rent your car to Hertz, mm-hmm. and they can rent it to their customers, and you get some revenue. Now, uh, it's very important that um, the, uh, the manipulation of the car token, in this case, allowing authorization to be granted to the Hertz website. It's very important. This is not running in the Hertz website, okay? Because because if it is, then uh, how do you know if Hertz is not uh, changing the ownership of the car instead, and then three months later change the ownership back car back to you? Then yeah. then any other use case you have, for example, collateralizing the car will break because the car is no longer yours. Here, therefore, cannot be collateralized. Okay. Uh, all, all kinds of things. Uh, all the insurance might break. So um, you might say that okay, if Hertz doesn't do it correctly, I will not trust Hertz. 
but it's important to note that um, uh, trust is a barrier for, for business and as well as for free market. So um, if um, you can only access the website you trust, then we are back to uh, uh, we are back to to um, to a not efficiently competed market in a way. Yeah. So today, uh, websites will, will display pay by Google, and you know that is trusted process, even if you don't trust the restaurant, if you don't trust the e-commerce website. Same 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 thing is needed for tokens to work. You have a high level of trust for your token because it's issued by maybe the car company, in this, for example, Tesla. And it guarantees that then if you authorize the car to be rented to someone, it's not given away to someone. Yeah. And uh, uh, on the car, and you have a medium trust towards the website. website that they may or may not give you the revenue, but but they, but they, you, they, are, they should not be able to do what you need to do with the car. Mm -hmm. So as you can see here, a uh, secure and trusted environment to run token logic is needed to open new use cases, to open new markets, to allow token to be used as a backbone. And this is uh, not, not something specific to blockchain. It doesn't matter what blockchain you use. Um, you can okay. use um, uh, Cardano or Ethereum. Either way, you cannot let an e-commerce website to use case software to control a token. Okay. So uh, we are not in competition of um, any blockchain uh, that wants to serve use cases. And any blockchain who believe that uh, they can serve use cases without secure user environment is probably making the same mistake as the previous uh, uh, electronic money designers, which is to do something they can yeah. instead of um, uh, dis uh, follow the discipline to find out what can support the use case. Hmm. So then that's like allowing the web. So then say if like a car company like Hertz or a car rental company like Hertz, they would just apply, uh, they would apply smart token bridges that you provide and their smart token labs or token script, you would, you would provide that service to a web two company to like kind of give them a key into the blockchain world and for like data ownership. So customers can come in and rent their car out easily and they wouldn't necessarily have to adopt anything other than your bridge. Um, essentially, yes. And um, although they can go a bit further and issue their own tokens. So step one, um, company like Hertz um, can, um, can ask if the user has a certain car token and if the user can provide it, you know, automatically prove is done, mm -hmm. uh, like an, uh, proving ownership of the car is, uh, as well as uh, acquiring the authorization. And the website will have an authorization token uh, entitled to the website that they can use that to allow drivers to drive a weed car. That's step one, which is a normal website, a normal Web3 website uses token, therefore it becomes Web3 website that doesn't depend on Google uh, or uh, Apple Wallet to hold your car key in the Apple Wallet. Mm -hmm. Step number two is that um, uh, Hertz can potentially become a token issuer by, um, by uh, in exchange of getting a car authorization, it can give you a revenue token, and, uh, which can emit revenue uh, once in a while that you can redeem. A little bit like your um, staked um, uh, DeFi position. Yeah, reward mm -hmm. points. It, yeah, in this case, uh, it will uh, uh, Hertz will not only be a use case of Web3 website, but also a token issuer that enables, enables other use cases. Mm -hmm. So one example might be you might have the revenue token and you collateralize that to get some money on the market, or you can uh, send the revenue token to a friend uh, who will earn the money from the car. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they yeah it makes it easy for Web two to kind of get on onto the Web three train, onto the Web three. And I think eventually 
uh, when we talk about Web3, we are not going to see a lot of token issuing websites. Yeah, of we're course. Not going to, and today, most of website, uh, DApp websites are also token issuing websites. They are also like, uh, hosted by token issuer. But I think the number of use cases for each token is going to be greater. So people who today go shopping on the internet, Amazon, or book hotel, these people are continue going to are going to do uh, do e-commerce and and book hotel. They are not going to stop what they are doing and start to buy kitties instead. <laughs> so so uh, in the end, these these websites will adopt kitty in order to maybe offer discount and um, and and maybe yeah. bind the bind the hotel records along uh, purchase records with the with kitty token. But most websites will be the users of the tokens. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. So okay. Um, now, yeah, so you're, you're trying to solve this, I guess, yeah, this problem with Web 2 and Web 3. Um, but were you always, was this always a goal in the back of your mind? Or like, you seem pretty entrepreneurial in your history of in your career. Was that the case? You, you always tried to solve problems? Is that kind of your, uh, <laughs> the, yeah. way, the way you live life? Is that who what your personality trait is? Um. So there's a bit of idealism in me that is uh, strict, uh, strictly controlled by discipline and the practicality. <laughs> the idealism is that um, I believe um, uh, uh, growing up from a um, uh, China Com- Communism Party controlled place, country, uh, there was always a, a state power there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I feel that um, it's in everybody's interest that market is as free as possible. Therefore, innovation can happen uh, without uh, uh, the approval of the party. Yeah. And outside of the party, I realized we need innovation to happen without approval of the big uh, uh, central units of the, uh, of the internet. Mm-hmm. And these people will typically implement something if it's in the beneficial for them, uh, as we can see with, uh, with the multiple issue between Apple and, and these uh, uh, innovators. Um, so um, I think um, that uh, we are having a stagnation. Web2 is, is reaching a point where we're not seeing a lot of use, more use cases. It's getting stabilized a little bit. And it's not natural that uh, most of the new use cases we have today is created by the big four. Yep. I think it indicates that uh, uh, innovations are being uh, disallowed or uh, being uh, uh, not having the soil. Yeah. So, so I think that the idealism in me that I think that if I can release the market power, allow people to innovate, we will live in a better world. And that's why we are working on tokens. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there is a problem-solving uh, aspect, and there is idealism aspect. Yeah, and I mean that's what it is. I mean, it was that point. Like you know, Ethereum, Ethereum first came out. It was all just idealism of what can we build on here. And just I feel like just this year, this past few years, is when it started showing. Like, look, we're building marketplaces. We're building smart contracts. We're building actual utility with the tokens that we're uh, creating, and now it's even web three there i know that there's some uh token issuing web three sites but there are a lot of awesome ones too that are just oh you're sign in with ethereum type of ideas which are also i think very beautiful and awesome hmm. and as again now also with nfts becoming huge um is that kind of i know you have the nft uh part of your like, NFT delivery, part of your infrastructure, but is this going to be how you refer to it? Is everything going to be an NFT? Are you going to just recognize NFTs so that people who are using smart token labs can grant access to people with certain NFTs or reward them with certain NFTs on a certain blockchain? Mm-hmm. 
um, uh, smart uh, smart chocolate lab started four years ago. At that time, uh, NFT was not as popular, mm-hmm. but we see the vision where uh, the token being the enabler for the future Web three, and we still hold that vision. Um, today, uh, at that time, uh, we will talk about a token that can have functionality and can be uh, bound to a specific user to do specific things, mm-hmm. and uh, can have. Um, uh, rich functionality such as authorization, as I mentioned, you authorize someone to use your car, um, can have dependencies. But this kind of token that actually enables uh, Web3 use cases without a um, central party doesn't have a proper name. Uh, we used to call them tokens, but um, uh, uh, people confuse that with ERC20 tokens, which are mostly for ICO tokens. Mm-hmm. So if NFT was that popular, we probably would start it with that. But uh, it was Virgil's idea. Uh, you remember, remember, he's the guy who recently sentenced uh, to seven, six years uh, for for being in uh, North Korea. Mm-hmm. I actually met him in the drinking party, <laughs> and he said you should call this smart token. So that's how we called it. Wow. Uh, today, when, if you look at NFT, it realizes uh, realizes much of our vision of smart token, but not all of them. For example, recently we have Nifty Taylor, uh, which is uh, if you have a uh, for example board ape. You can you can uh, change you can you can add a hat or change uh, or change the dress of, of ape, and that would be a new token. That is actually the same technology when you um, when you own a car and you authorize someone to drive it. So the underlying logic is same, but people understand what what when it happens to an NFT. Like I have an ape, the ape allows me to get discount discount mm-hmm. in certain stores, and then I have an. Uh, uh, Nick Taylor, which um, is a sm- smart token technology that allows you to get new apes with a little bit of variation that is assigned to someone else. It's actually um, a, a mini version of, of um, smart tokens, and and we are we are still working on business cases. Uh, but uh, with the boom in NFT, of course, that will be a focus for quite some time. Yeah, nice, and that's a, yeah. So then you okay? So then you're also developing this bridge, but you're also developing the alpha wallet. Is that kind of just something you s- that's going to help smart token labs specifically, or is just uh, yeah? Is so, this just like uh, a, yeah, another open smart source token wallet? Labs have a, quite a few projects. Alpha yeah. wallet is one of them, and it's a smart token uh, wallet have a smart token labs have a lot of projects. Mm-hmm. Alpha wallet has an essential look uh, position in our uh, product line because, as I mentioned, uh, for smart token to work, you need to have a safe environment to use it to interact with the website. <clears throat> Back to the car example, you need to run authorization in the wallet and you need to give the authorization to the website, mm-hmm. not uh, giving everything to the website to, to operate, operate it. And, 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 smart, and Alpha Wallet was created so that we can run token logic in the, wa- in the wallet itself. And when it started in 2018, smart token was an idea that was not publicly accepted. Yeah. So people thought that if you go to DEP and DEP can know everything about my token, it's fine. And there are a few issues. Uh, there's a trust issue that the website is not as trusted as your token. There's a security issue that um, you want to authorize transactions in your wallet, not to authorize it on the website. Mm-hmm. And then there is a um, um, privacy issue that you don't want the website learn to learn everything about your token, especially if you want to produce a zero-knowledge proof that you own the token. Yeah. You cannot let that website to produce it. Otherwise, they already know it. Why do they even need to produce a zero-knowledge proof? And then, uh, uh, so... Uh, and we have interoperability needs, which is what if one token depends on the other? And what if the website doesn't know my token, but they 
and my token can satisfy what the website needs, such mm -hmm. as if the website only wants Ether, any token that can emit Ether should be compatible, and that 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 the wallet should be built on real um, these tokens. These are the aspects that cannot be solved uh, without a wallet and without token script engine in, in a wallet. So that's why we built Alpha Wallet, and we use that to support business cases. We did a lot of those. We did the first uh, tokenization of FIFA ticket. We did um, a car token for camera car. Nice. Many, many, many tokens. The thing is, um, these tokens, if they are just the enterprise backend technology, it wouldn't be as useful because we're still in that Web2 mentality. Yeah, the user are not using real, their tokens. You just log into the website and the website has their tokens. Why don't you just build everything in the backend? Yeah. Um, uh, there are some drawbacks building building in backend, though. So, um, so the NFT's popularity really gives everybody the idea that you can own something in your wallet. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that, and and that this is the time I think that um, we should combine all our technologies, Alpha Wallet and Token Script, and and move from building prototypes for enterprise customers to building market influential products. And for example, Nifty Taylor is is a collaboration between us and Nifty Taylor Key. Okay, so that gives you an overview of our product line. Nice, and yeah. I mean, yeah, your product line is definitely showing excitement because you have some amazing people backing your project like Vance Spencer and Mark Cuban. They're interested in following you and all that. So how, how does that feel like, you know, you started out with Smart Token Labs. It was just an idea. It became a company. You started working on it, developing on it. It's getting traction, getting attention. How, how does that resonate with you? Is this your first startup venture or... Uh, it's it's not my first. My first is called uh, Electronic Auto Office Automation, is e EOA for short, it was, which was an, an early attempt to do what Google Docs does mm -hmm. by uh, working on online documents, allow a lot multiple people to comment and edit and build a workflow around uh, online documents. Uh, that project um, ended badly because uh, we were too early in the market. I started in 2000 and later half 2003. And the product uh, became publicly available one and a half years later, and um, not mature enough. And the product was not mature enough. Market was not mature enough. So uh, around 2008, uh, we just closed the company because Google released all Google Docs for free, and uh, the market is still not catching up. Yeah. So uh, from what I learned from that is you could you could be too early for the market. So uh, Smart Token Lab had a similar problem that um, uh, we we add a functionality token to make it useful for Web3. Uh, people were thinking about uh, mostly making money with token, and they see the potential of um, staking and lending, uh, which is not really Web2, Web, web use yeah. cases, it's financial use cases. Mm -hmm. um, so <clears throat> when we talk about it, uh, we were slightly ahead, uh, too, too, too much ahead. And uh, would it, if you are too, too, too much ahead, you might be regarded as irrelevant. So we were regarded as irrelevant um, for many uh, mainstream uh, blockchain adoption communities. These days we're getting recognition. So my feeling is, okay, this time I'm not too ahead. <laughs> because if I'm too, ahead, too much ahead again, I would probably will run, run the company into bankruptcy again, just like <laughs> the first one. So you're a visionary. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a problem of visionaries, right? You're, you're thinking too far ahead in the future. You can't help it. <laughs> yeah, but there are people like Satoshi. Not only they think about it, but find the future, they actually implement it. Yeah. So yeah, there, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> but he was right on time, Satoshi, or they, or whatever that was. But yeah. they're, they're they're right on time, and 
because the mortgage uh, crisis that was happening in 2008, people were getting fed I, I, up with I, I the government. I actually didn't get the design that year. No, but, uh, <laughs> I was lucky. I was pretty sure it was right here to release it. <laughs> it was definitely on like, luck, I guess, for his sake or their sake. Mm. Uh, it's, I mean, that's it, a joy of starting companies, mm. I guess, right? Is building your vision, seeing it come to life. And as you are growing Smart Token Labs, you're you know, heavily in, I mean, you've been heavily in the crypto space for the for a long time now. So, and even building in that space. And I'm wondering, you know, how do you, what do you do for like, you know, taking a break from crypto, relief your, oh, uh, relief your mind from crypto. What's uh, what hobbies do you have? I do a lot of things, and you are the first crypto host who asked me the question. <laughs> That's <laughs> so what I try to you, do. Thank you for caring about me as a person. <laughs> uh, uh, so um, I, I, I do shooting, uh, pistol, and nice. I, I fly a plane. Um, That's cool. I ride horses. I have an, uh, 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 I run the Peruvian Horse Association in Australia, and uh, uh, I have a, a holiday resort. Um, with, with horses and riding school in it. Um, yeah, these are the things I do. That's beautiful. I, I've only been horseback riding once in my life and it was a lot of fun. I would do it again, but are you, uh, so you can like gallop and you can, can you go like pretty fast on a horse? <laughs> yes, I like to gallop my horse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, that seems intense to me. I never tried it, but it's something I'd love uh, to do. Uh, so um, in, uh, I, w- I was born in Gobi Desert. Uh, that's the area that connects China with Inner Mongolia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a quarter Mongolian myself. So I feel um, when I was a little, five years old, I was already riding by myself without ring and without saddle. Wow. Um, so um, I feel quite natural with horses. Um, but um, that connection is uh, problematic nowadays because uh, in a community like Sydney, um, if you get up your horse too often, uh, other people look at you thinking oh, that this person might be dangerous. Because <laughs> really? nowadays... Uh, horse riding, like trail riding, people just ride through trail. They don't. They don't um, normally gallop. Huh. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, and also that uh, I have a lot of Peruvian horses. These horses are very special because they are gated. Um, so they have this amber gate that is uh, evenly uh, uh, distributed. Um, the the foot hoofball is evenly distributed, so you don't feel this up and down shaking movement. Oh. And these horses are also very fast. So if I go trail riding with other horses, I will be like twice as fast as the other horses and not as cheeky. Oh. Um, yeah. And that, that also means I cannot join the group com- group community if there are other horse riders. Um, I just dash away, even, not, even when I'm not galloping. <laughs> ah, no idea about that. I mean, I knew there was different kinds of horses, of course. I know like Icelandic horses are... Yeah, they are gated horses too. Icelandics are pretty nice. Yeah. and But they're a lot smaller, right? They're not that... Yeah, uh, Peruvian will be 14 hands, and uh, uh, Icelandic will be a little bit smaller, for, uh, 12 hands. <laughs> that's amazing. What an amazing story. I never, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, I also like to travel right now. I'm in Malaga, Spain. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's that's some pretty cool hobbies. Uh, I'm, I'm just like here trying to play some guitar and throw my yo-yo around. <laughs> But that's my oh, guitar. How many times I tried to pick it up and didn't make it work? <laughs> so yeah, I'm only there. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully one day we can play guitar and ride horses together. Uh, <laughs> um, so also, yeah, being in this crypto industry, seeing a lot of different um, projects come up, a lot of community discussions. What is a crypto pet peeve that you have? Something in the crypto industry that's kind of like you wish would have been different or kind of... Um, 
Like for me, a pet peeve is how much people talk about cryptocurrency prices and how mm -hmm. much everyone is an expert trader. I'm like, all right, mm -hmm. you're not an expert. No one's an expert trader. This is still a new market. You can be mm -hmm. good or lucky at it. And the price isn't what is the most important thing right now. Even though it helps drive mainstream recognition, there's awesome technology being developed that's kind of being overlooked because everyone's trying to make some money. So that's like a crypto pet peeve of mine, but I want to know if you have any. Um, so uh, you mean that uh, which area of the development that excites me the most? Is that question? Uh, which area, I guess, upsets you the most? Mm -hmm. which, which area upsets you the most? Upsets me the most. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which area upsets me the most? <laughs> Uh, um, so uh, every time when something works, uh, people will uh, make new similar things until it doesn't work anymore. Uh, mm. And this, um, I, I hope we 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 graduate from this phase, um, and I hope we have um, less blockchains that doesn't have um, unique features that supports use cases. I hope we can uh, move our focus more onto how to use tokens because that's where blockchain technology can stay. A lot of people said that uh, blockchain is like Tulip, uh, but mm -hmm. it would be like Tulip if there's no use cases. And the blockchain can enable a lot of use cases, but uh, much of the speculation is noise to noise for the use cases to grow. Um, so um, uh, I, I think we should take an evolutionary approach. I think this is a stage of evolution that you have to go through. It is. And uh, yeah, like any, any, I think that's up and coming new technology, it's always going to be a lot of figuring out how to grow. Um, so sometimes I remember the time when, uh, uh, when, when trees cannot rot. I don't know how many million years ago, but I heard this from a friend who was good, really good at ecology. And he told me that because trees could not rot, uh, the, uh, the carbon density in the air is getting less and was getting less and less and the air was filled with oxygen and it was bad for the ecosystem until uh, some bacteria developed the capacity to consume consume um, wood so um, then it start rot so currently we have fossil fuels it was these fossil fuels were accumulation of the wood that could not be uh, eaten by any bacteria so they are not going to, we are not going to have coal anymore because there's only so much so many years where the trees accumulated and a carbon community and the ground. So uh, uh, when I remember that story, I think that um, today's market, if it's uh, over speculative, it's a little bit like uh, it has to happen. Just like to have, just like the, the time when tree was too much, yeah. trees, uh, dead trees were too much, it has to happen. Well, I, I mean, I never knew that either. So it's <laughs> pretty, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, we're all running out of coal and stuff, but um, yeah. that's pretty interesting. I love learning more, more about this stuff. Um, <laughs> To learn, yeah, I mean, obviously, this is an exciting project. You're working diligently on it. You have a good team, and you know a lot of the crypto community is excited for you and for this project to grow. And I want to know more about, you know, my favorite last question is um, being so involved. What is your favorite wholesome crypto moment? Something in the crypto industry that made you feel good. That, that was like a powerful and wholesome use case of some type of crypto project. Um, uh, if you if you observe um, my team, um, when I first ran my startup, I was the youngest person. Uh, but now, uh, most people in our in my team are uh, in their twenties or thirties, and I'm almost forty. Um, so I'm always um, impressed by young people taking up the. Uh, I was once such a young person <laughs> taking up the new development, 
and believe that it could be uh, fundamentally changing many the way we do many things, and it is a good change. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, this is what makes me feel happy about it. Um, I, I feel the energy from young people that um, uh, that this can 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 do things. Yeah. Well, well, uh, most crypto investors at my age, uh, who were lucky enough to get in ten years ago, are at their in their forties. And if I talk with them, if they want to talk with me at all, um, they will be um, like an, uh, quite indifferent uh, and have too much money in their hands. Exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, uh, so, 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 so the young people's wish to change the world is always, always make me happy, and and and. Um, uh, I, th- I feel as long as I have this attitude, I'm, I'm not too old yet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's beautiful because you're right. It's the people you surround yourself with that really drive how you feel, how you think. And it's amazing that you see yourself in these and uh, your team members because that's what you want as a team who can is excited to build, excited to develop, excited to change the world all together. And it is a good feeling. Like you also like, yeah, see a part of yourself in them and mm-hmm. it's exciting to grow a company together. It's not about the money. It's about the technology that you're developing together. It's beautiful. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Wei Yu, for joining me here today. I had a blast talking about you. I had a blast learning more about you and I'm excited to see Smart Token Labs just continue to build. Thank you very much. It was a pleasant conversation. Thank you. See everybody.